ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to episode one. It is the first ever episode of the Summer Sports Spectacular, and I am very, very excited for this. If you're a new listener, if you're just joining alongside the Jordan and Drew Sports Crew fandom, this is the Summer Sports Spectacular. My name is Jordan Lorenz, joined alongside Drew Skyberg, and what the Summer Sports Spectacular is all about. Drew, take it away. So the Summer Sports Spectacular is going to be our 10-episode series. We're going to watch a bunch of old games, maybe not that old. Like, for example, today's game is going to be the 2005-2006 National Championship, which was the Rose Bowl that year, and it was number one USC versus number two Texas. And what we're going to do, we're going to analyze this game. We're going to put it into context of, like, how big this game truly was. And we're going to share our thoughts on the game, some key players, some big moments, and it's going to be a fun time. And we're going to do that for other episodes as well, for other sporting events. So like, there's going to be some World Series games, some NBA finals, some more college fo- fo- football stuff, college basketball stuff. And it'll be a great time. I'm really looking forward to get started in episode one. But to do it, the Rose Bowl. What's the national championship for the year? I still find that interesting how they did it back in the day. One of the bowls was designated as a national championship game, and it changed because I'm pretty sure the year prior, USC won, I want to say the Sugar Bowl. I would have to double check, but I think they beat Oklahoma in the Sugar Bowl to win the national championship. So, I mean, we can check that later, but I just, like I said, it's so interesting how times have changed and how these games now, obviously with the college football playoffs, you've got two of the big games and then they move into the national championship, but we're used to there being a national championship game, but back then the Rose Bowl was the national championship game. So, I mean, you're winning the Rose Bowl and the national championship all in one. But before we get there, let's look at the season light, right? Let's look at the season and the rule changes. So Drew, I wanted to go over these because I found a few interesting ones here. We're going to talk about the rules changes and the conference changes before we get into things. First of all, with the rules, seven additional conferences would join the Big Ten in adopting the instant replay systems. This is huge, right? We're talking the 04-05 season. Seven more conferences are adding instant replay, and these refs were kind of rough in this game, and instant replay came into effect quite a few times, so instant replay, we're talking, like I said, 04, 05. This is still new. They're still working it into things, and this got adopted here for seven more conferences along with the Big Ten. They removed intentional from the rule regarding spearing. Have you ever heard of that? Yes, yeah, so spearing's like when you like lead with your head into mm-hmm. another player, so it's like helmet to where you lead with your helmet so i'm i guess they removed the terminology spearing from the rulebook is what you said they removed intentional from the word spearing so i guess oh. every spearing they're just saying is intentional well yeah i think that's what what they are implying there i'm assuming i don't know how it wouldn't be as the way you explained it like obviously yeah. you know what you're doing when you're going for the tackle next up leaping will not be called on a defensive player lined up within one yard of the line of scrimmage unless he lands on other players eliminating the legal clipping zone to make clipping illegal anywhere on the field in an old episode for on this day we talked about clipping right didn't it used to have like a 25 yard penalty if i remember right yep that was that was the one and we used the nfl official rule book to really clarify what we were talking about to our viewers yeah you read that and there's some interesting stuff in there so Last rule change to ensure more consistent enforcement a list of acts considered unsportsmanlike conduct is added, including the throat slash high stepping and diving into the end zone, unchallenged among others. Spontaneous celebrations by players are allowed, 
provided they are not prolonged taunting or bringing attention to themselves. This is pretty big here because we know how big taunting is. We know how big celebrating is. And they're just adding more enforcement to unsportsmanlike conduct, which honestly, some of the most annoying things in the world when after a guy scores a touchdown, he celebrates and they call a penalty. Like, just let the dude be happy. He just scored a touchdown. So anything you want to touch on or should we get to these conference changes? Let's get to the conference changes. A few things here that kind of caught my eye. First of all, it says a major conference realignment occurred prior to the 05 season when 18 teams in Division 1A changed conferences. I also noticed they call it Division 1A back in the day. Temple was expelled from the Big East Conference while Army ended its brief affiliation with the CUSA, resulting in both schools becoming independents. Temple's not independent anymore, though. I don't think so, no. I'm not sure what conference they're part of now, but... I Yeah, Army's independent, but Temple's not. Boston College left the Big East to become the 12th member of the ACC, allowing the league to split into two divisions and hold an annual championship game. Cincinnati, Louisville, and South Florida left CUSA to join the Big East. Texas Christian University also left the CUSA to become the Mountain West Conference ninth member. A lot of people leaving the CUSA. Despite its losses, CUSA added six schools to increase its membership to 12. So here we go. Marshall and UCF came in along with Rice, Southern Methodist, Tulsa, and UTEP all came in to the CUSA. So a lot of moving parts here. And it says, like the ACC, the CUSA split into two divisions and started a conference championship game. It seems like at the time, if you didn't have two divisions, you didn't have a conference championship game, which I find very weird. But now we know a lot of these conferences, even today, they keep getting bigger and bigger. And they do indeed have multiple divisions. Two more things. The WAC, the Western Athletic Conference, added Idaho, New Mexico State, and Utah State. And then the Sun Belt picked up Division One, and then this is Division One AA Independence, Florida Atlantic, and Florida International. So the Division One A and Division One AA. I'm not too familiar with the whole thing. Are you at all? I'm assuming the Division One A is like the smaller D1 schools is how they're grouping them, but I'm not sure. I'm unfamiliar with the A and AA, but we'll go yeah, with it. I mean, we were young at the time, and it's not like I really looked into the whole things, but that seems about right because it says AA Independence, Florida Atlantic and Florida International. So the AA, it's almost like you have the FCS and FBS, kind of seems like that whole thing, if I'm reading into it right, but we're not going to say anything that would end up being wrong. So let's look at these teams now. We know in the Rose Bowl, the national championship game, Pete Carroll's USC is the number one seed. Drew, this team was the preseason number one favorite to win it all, and they didn't leave that AP poll number one slot all year. That is remarkable. We don't see anything like that anymore. I mean, with a school, you see Alabama today maybe being an exception, but like you never see a team like stay number one like the whole year. So I, that's that's remarkable. Yeah, Alabama's always in like top five or even top 10 if they have down, but staying number one the entire bit of the year, that's huge. And guess what? Texas, they were number two the entire year. So when we talk about this game and when Drew said, biggest game of the year, nothing can touch it, that's perfectly said because right away when the game started, they said, we've been waiting for this game all year. It is undoubtedly the one seed against the two seed. And let's look at Texas, right? Texas played, they were 13 and 0. So 
That gives away the result of the Rose Bowl for you. So if you haven't seen it, too bad. I mean, go watch it. You're supposed to watch these things ahead of time. But Texas, 13-0. First game of the year, they beat Louisiana 60-3. They beat Ohio State. Ohio State was the fourth seed at the time. They beat OSU 25-22. They beat Rice 51-10. Then they beat Missouri 51-20. Then they beat Oklahoma 45-12, beat 10 seed Texas Tech 52-17, beat OSU Ford, OSU is Oklahoma State, I should clarify, 47-28. They beat Baylor 62-0. Yikes. They beat, yeah, they beat Kansas 66-14. They beat Texas A&M 40-29. Are you ready for this one? They beat Colorado 70-3. And then our championship game here, which I won't say the score of just yet because we're going to talk all about it. But Drew, this team's unstoppable. I mean, 70 to 3, 62 0. They're just, as the year went on, it seemed like they're getting better. And in the championship game, we, we saw why they were 13 and 0 undefeated season because, I mean, we'll get into their offense, but when you have a guy like Vince Young and you're able to just run, play the option game, basically, essentially, is what they did with their freakishly big offensive line. And they, you have a guy who's six, Vince Young, who's like six five. He's like 240, 250, and he's just a freak of nature. Oh, I couldn't imagine trying to tackle that guy. Like, did you? It's no, it's there's no way. Run away if you see him coming after you. So now it's time for USC. They won the championship the year prior, as I said before, but this year finished 12 and one. They came up short in the end. We'll get to it soon, but. This team opened the year beating Hawaii 63-17. to They beat Arkansas 70-17. to They beat Oregon 45-13. to Oregon was the 24 seed. They beat the 14 seed Arizona State 38-28. Beat Arizona 42-21. They beat the 9 seed Notre Dame in a close one, 34-31. That's probably the closest game besides that Texas and Ohio State game we've seen. They beat Washington 51-24. Beat Washington State 55-13. Beat Stanford 51-21. Beat California 35-10. Beat 16-seed Fresno State 50-42. Close one there, I guess. And then they just absolutely destroyed the 11-seed UCLA 66-19. You're looking at a team who played five teams in the top 25 and pretty much blew them all out. Texas only played three teams in the top 25, but still, I mean, Texas was dominated against their teams as well. Drew, we'll talk more about UFC and their offense, especially in this game, but I mean, it's more of the same, right? These two teams unmatched. I mean, these games aren't even close. Yeah, and for USC, when you have a dynamic duo of Lendale White and Heisman, former Heisman winner, Reggie Bush, which we'll talk about. Oh, um, yeah. They were they were unstoppable. And Matt Leinert's no no bad quarterback as well. I mean, he finished third in the Heisman voting, I saw, or like like you said. Correct. And um he is he was very good in that game. I mean, the second half he was, but like the first half was a little rough. But I think he was able to really set up Reggie Bush and um Lendale White very well in that game on some short passes, because that was really his game as we saw, but we'll talk yeah, about that it. was a trio right there between those three. And that's why USC was so dominant. Texas 
at the end of the year, they ended up scoring the most points out of anyone, 652 points in 13 games. I mean, I don't know what that equates to, but that is just insane. So what we're going to do now, we're going to talk about our game, right? And then after the game, we'll talk about the awards given out for the year. And this episode will end with the Heisman Trophy debacle because that is wild what happens there. We'll talk all about it, but let's get into this game, right? Rose Bowl drew 2005 USC in Texas. It's on ABC. This is going to be my question every time when we get into things. What are your first impressions as you turn the game on? Right when I turn the game on, I hear a guy named Keith Jackson and Dan Fouts, and I have no idea who these guys are. So I do some research is my initial thing. Cause I, I think commentary is first because I think we should put into context who the commentators are because we these guys we don't hear anymore doing national championship games. And plus the game was on ABC. So did some research. Keith Jackson, this was his last play-by-play game ever. This was his last game. And then he retired. So that that I found that interesting. And the way he his play-by-play style, I don't know. Like Jordan, very old school. Very I would agree. Very I mean, very it's like everything. You can start up in again in a second here, but everything felt pretty new about it, right? It was on ABC. I mean, the crowd was full of it. Some of the graphics were like maybe a little outdated, but they still nothing too felt too out of the realm. But Keith Jackson, boy, oh boy, he slowed the game down. He made sure he called mostly everything old school at its finest. I mean, he missed a thing or two there here and there. You could tell at certain times he was off a little bit, but I mean, it's Keith Jackson, right? And if we would have come in and not known anything about the guy and we would have just said terrible things about him because he was old and it's not what we're used to. We'd be idiotic because this dude has done a lot. And I mean, I thought he did a fine job. Dan Fouts, pretty good color guy. I really enjoyed his work. Yeah, I enjoyed both the guys, like you said. And one other thing is the game was an HD we found on YouTube. And that's that's always great to see considering the game 16 years old. We got to watch it in HD. So I thought that was a treat. And then I just thought like not seeing for the jerseys, um, there's no, no last names on the back. I, I hated you it. that too. Yeah. So I, I found that interesting because now these days you see every, even college sports, you see the athletes, they have their name on the back, last name on the back for almost every, every sport, maybe like for like D1. Probably. Most, most of them. Yeah. Most of them do at least. So I found that interesting. And I don't know. I think replay, cause we, you mentioned the replay was kind of new this, this year. And we noticed they went to replay a lot far too many times yeah and i'd say five six times maybe even probably five is safe bet because they were really wanting to make sure they got these calls right and i don't know i i found that interesting because like i replay was the new thing back then like that was the new thing you got to use it you know make sure you get the call right i just some of them too like we'll talk about that interception where the guy had the one foot in the back of the end zone clearly an interception and the official when you watch the replay he wasn't even looking at his feet we'll talk about it but I mean I feel like they kind of just bailed themselves out at times with the replay yeah and I think with that I think we should start getting into the game recap I think we should talk first the first quarter we should talk about my first thing I want to talk about from the first quarter was all the fumbles butterfingers left and right for both teams especially Texas at the start but oh yeah let's get into it Matt Liner, by the way, will set the stage. USC gets the ball first. Matt Liner, 37-1 and as a starter for this team. And obviously, Drew mentioned that the running backs they have, they're talented. This is a very good USC team, 3-0 and out to start the game. So maybe a little jitters. Maybe they just had some nerves. I mean, they're playing a very good Texas team, and they punt. 
and we should mention USC third worst in net punt average. So their special teams are not good. But when you're scoring 60 points a game, how many times do you even need to punt the ball? So I kind of understand it because you have a few missed punts here and there that really brings it down. They punt, Texas gets it and fumbles. Texas fumbles the ball and USC gets it back. And right away, USC runs in touchdown seven, nothing before we get there though. Did you see that helmet to helmet hit where the dude's helmet flew off of his head and they didn't call it a penalty. I was shocked. Dan Fouts did not like that at all. No. And I don't blame him. Like in today's day and age, you would see that the guy could have even got ejected for that. I think in today's day, I think they might've called like could have been targeting guy could yeah. have flagged 15 yards and he's out of the game. And just, it's crazy from, that's the nice thing about doing the, our summer sports spectacular is we can see something 16 years ago that, Hey, that would have been called probably a 15 yard penalty ejection today. And that now 16 years ago, no call whatsoever. And that, I found that extremely odd. And they would have definitely taken the player into the back concussion protocol. They would have looked through everything just goes to show, like you say, 16 years ago, this game was and how far we've progressed with all these concussions head injuries and football, especially it really did it in. So USC leads seven zero off the rushing touchdown. Texas gets the ball. They go for it on fourth down around midfield. Can't convert. They can't do it. And USC gets the ball back. And there was a call here. Did you hear about the incidental face mask? I found this intriguing. I did hear the official call an incidental face mask. And I found that odd. That's not something you hear that often today. So No. And it was a five-yard penalty for an incidental face mask. I was blown away by this. I just didn't expect it at all. I don't know how it can be incidental and how they can rule what's incidental and what's not. I don't know. But we talked about it with the spearing, too. They took the word incidental out. So they've got some rule things here that they got to work through. And USC gets the ball. Like I said, they go, go, go. And they can't convert on fourth down now. So we're looking at two teams, USC up 7-0, end of the first quarter. Took 35 minutes for the first quarter. USC 7-0 in a very defensive game. Drew, we didn't expect this at all. No, when you have, like we, we've mentioned all the weapons, you know, Vince Young, and then another guy I want to mention, David Thomas, the tight end for Texas. He was a force this game. He had a bunch of receptions. He was Vince Young's number one guy the whole game. And then also I, with Reggie Bush, Matt Liner, Lendell White, these guys, it's just an offensive powerhouse for both teams. And what you mentioned, the points per game for both teams, you expected it almost maybe a shootout even at this point. But both defenses really stepped up, I thought. Uh, Texas was really aggressive the whole game. They really, they were really trying to uh, contain Reggie Bush, which I think they did a fairly good job for most of the game. I don't know about you. Yeah, they got a little too aggressive in the second half, but that's when it got into a shootout. And we'll get there here in a minute. So let's start. Second quarter, right? USC eventually gets the ball back. And you want to talk about a fumble. Maybe one of the worst decisions I've ever seen in my entire life. I don't remember. Was it who? Do you remember who fumbled at this point? Reggie Bush tried to do a lateral back. It was Reggie Bush. Okay. Yeah. Please explain it because it's terrible. He Reggie Bush. He's on this phenomenal run. It 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 was like a this is the Heisman runner. It was this is the Heisman guy. He won the Heisman or he he won it. And this is it kind of like solidified like this is this is the guy and he just ruins it by on this run. He's probably he's like thirty yards maybe on the thirty yard line. Probably around there, yeah. And he's he's looking for a teammate before he gets tackled to to flip it. 
and he tries to flip the ball. And while he tries to flip the ball, he's getting tackled. So the ball just like, he just fumbles the ball. He just loses it. He tries to, he was looking for someone to lateral it to. And it was probably one of the worst decisions he could have made. Cause he already made this big gain and he was trying to make this superstar play that was impossible to make because there's like nobody, nobody close who could have like made probably the cat, probably the lateral. And he just, he lost the ball and Pete Carroll at halftime. I don't know if you heard what he said. He was very, very upset. He was like, yeah, I, I don't know why Reggie, Re- Reggie uh, lateraled it. It was kind of a dumb mistake on our part or something. And I thought that was very interesting to hear. Yeah. I mean, we should talk about that too. Pete Carroll Seahawks coach is the coach of USC at this point. I mean, I knew he obviously was a college coach, but I didn't realize it was this time. So fun to see him. He didn't, he look the same. I mean, the dude, really looked the same as he does now I was very very intrigued yeah. by that but just I mean he doesn't age I guess so like you said though the and the guy who's trying to pitch it to wasn't even looking like there was Texas people all over the ball they get it back and then David Pino he is going to be a discussion coming up the kicker for Texas makes a career-long 46-yard field goal USC now leads seven to three so things are moving right Texas then comes and gets another touchdown moving on texas gets a touchdown i mean the guy's knee was clearly down i said in my notes but they didn't do anything i mean we talk about replay how they went back to it and looked over and over this they didn't look at it why did usc not challenge this well i think the extra point they got it off really fast i know they missed the extra point but they they were going really fast they didn't care if they missed the extra point or not they were going like we gotta get we gotta get this snap we gotta get the ball off so they don't can't they can't challenge or review this and they did it but as a result they missed the extra point and our boy dan fouts was he thought for sure this was going to get called back and he was irate when they didn't look at it again or anything and then i loved it after this they showed like the booth upstairs where the replay guys are it looked like a prison cell compared to what we see now like they were in this (laughs) tiny little booth there's three guys in there one of them didn't even have a chair one dude was standing one guy had like a little thing in front of him. I don't even know if it was a computer or what, but I they, they were in a prison cell up there. It looked terrible, but like you said, they rushed it. Extra point is no good. David Pino misses it. Texas up 9-7, and hey, Texas scores again. Texas gets a rushing touchdown. They now lead 16-7, and keep in mind here, all rushing touchdowns so far. I believe there's only one passing touchdown all game. Yep. Yeah, and that comes later. We'll get to it. So Texas is up 16-7 before the half. Mario Danello hits a career-long 43-yarder for USC just to get him a little closer. It's now 16-10, Texas leading at halftime. Drew, we know Texas gets the ball at the start of the second half, but first half impressions, I mean, still, it's 16-10. You see some games final at that score, but for these two teams, like we said, still relatively low scoring and we are waiting the second half Vince Young just comes off goes off you are right the Vince Young show just starts and like I've mentioned before they really they get they run some shotgun they he gets a snap and he, he's rolling right and he rolls left and he's gonna either pitch the ball or he's just gonna take it was the was the game they did they ran an option a couple times they ran the triple option a few times and then sometimes when they run the play action and then He's in the pocket. He sits back, and if someone comes and comes and tries to blitz, he just runs the other way. And he just he had a few plays where he got some 30, 30 yard gains on just running, just him just scrambling. So it was good. like it was incredible. I I was thinking 
right in my head, I was thinking this guy's like kind of like Lamar Jackson, not like the build, like the build, but like kind of the idea where he's going to look to scramble and he's going to beat you with his with his legs a few times. Yeah, I can definitely see that for sure. He looked to me like Uriah Hall, UFC fighter. You obviously won't know him, but that's who he looked like to me. But let's get into the second half. Texas gets the ball, three and out. Three and out to start the second half. USC gets it, boom, rushing touchdown. USC now leads 17-16. So you're seeing that missed extra point coming into play. They're down by one point until Texas QB keeper, the one and only, Vince Young gets himself a touchdown, 23-17, and it is a shootout from here. USC's ball, fourth and one, and they rush it in, 24-23. Texas gets the ball, moving back, and here they go. 31-yard field goal, chip shot, right? No, this was terribly missed. I mean, about as far right as you could imagine. Sure, he was on the right hash. He wasn't centered. But this thing wasn't even close. And then Reggie Bush has this fantastic flip. He was barely in for the touchdown, but he just made it. Just had that ball cross the pylon, and it stayed in. So we're looking at 31-23 lead for USC. And I mean, from here, Texas, they redeemed themselves. 36-yard field goal. The dude misses a 31-yard chip shot. It makes a 36-yarder from the same right hash. So we're at 31-26, and USC gets a passing touchdown where two Texas players collided. Oh, this was deadly. I hated One of them broke his part. arm. Oh, that was so tough to watch because, like, you, I, at least I could see in the replay, I saw the two guys collide, and one of those guys' arms, it did not look right, and I'm sure that that was the guy who broke his arm because that was just a gruesome play to watch. And luckily in USC's favor, I mean, it kind of worked out. They got the touchdown because there's two guys covering that ball. Like that certainly was like that could have been intercepted. But just when two guys, you know, collide, boom, down, touchdown. Eyes on the ball. They just weren't looking anywhere else. And USC gets it. That's the first and only passing touchdown of the game. It is 38-26 USC. Texas gets the ball back. Guess who? Vince Young steps up. Quarterback keeper. Another touchdown. Four minutes. Three seconds left. Texas has all three timeouts. They're down 38-33. Drew, we know what happens, but you're a coach at this point, right? You're down five. You have your timeouts left. You haven't been able to stop USC. They've been scoring nonstop in the second half. Four minutes to go. Are you kicking an onside? No. I And listen why. I think they have the three timeouts, like you said, and I know they've been giving up points, but that shows how the Texas head coach, he truly t- trusts that defense. And I think he made the right call here. And I mean, we, as we know, kind of, kind of did, but yeah, he sure did. And, the defense stepped up, but it was also thanks to some stupidity oh, from Pete Carroll. Yes. Second down, they throw the ball and it's incomplete. So USC had a chance to basically wipe the clock down to, oh, I don't know, minute and a half, probably somewhere around there, depending on if Texas used their timeouts or not. Second down, incomplete pass, two and a half minutes to go. Texas stops them. It's fourth and two. Texas uses their first timeout with 2.13 to go. USC obviously goes for the ball, right? We're at about midfield at this point. Who do you give it to? Reggie Bush, and he gets stuffed. That was a big play by that Texas defense, and you just saw guys like Rodrigue White step up, and that was – 
there was their D tackle. He was an All American that year, and he just stuffs that gap. And as we saw there, then we got the Texas ball, and then some good things happen. And Jordan, you want to talk about him? I mean, Vince Young, right? Who else? 209 to go. Texas has the ball at their own 44 yard line. Back to back blitzes, right? Texas is now third down and 12. Pete Carroll sent the defense. I mean, they were just flying at Vince Young. He knew exactly what they needed to do. They got the pressure. And then here we go again. USC commits an incidental face mask, giving Texas a first down. I hate this penalty. I don't know why it's called, but that's just dumb by UFC at this point. Minute 20 to go. That was not an incidental face mask. As we saw, I looked at the replay. That was an intentional face mask penalty for to say the least it dude was, knew exactly what he was doing yes. i and i don't know what the whole incidental thing is i don't know where that even came from and why they decided to call it because like i said if you're an official you can't deem what's incidental and what's not the player knows exactly what they're going in to do why is it for the official to say but like i said minute 20 to go and at my note here in all capitals, it says these officials are slow and never make a call immediately. And I say we go to the fifth review of the game for a clear no fumble. This dude was clearly down. His knee was by far down and he fumbled two seconds later. But here we go, wasting time again. They go to review. And I should mention, right? I went, I got up and did something and I paused the game before the fourth quarter. There was an hour left in this game. So this fourth quarter took an hour. And I thought for sure, I'm like, oh, this is going overtime. It has to, right? And then I really wasn't keeping track of time. It was flying by at this point. 30 seconds to go. Texas takes a timeout. They're at the eight-yard line, third down and five. What do they do? They throw it, and it is incomplete. Fourth down and five. Vince Young runs it in. This dude, and it took a while, too. He looked all around. And he just decided to keep it and boom, touchdown. USC waste their last time out before the two-point conversion. What was Pete Carroll thinking? Why? Why? There's 16 seconds left. You could get that ball. And we saw at the end of the game, they got close. They got past midfield. Why are you wasting your time out before the two-point conversion? Yeah, I thought certainly the game could have went overtime, like you said, with the with the time left. And they even had the opportunity to. And like you said, they were midfield and Pete Carroll, he made a few dumb. He got, I think, he, at the end of the day, he really, he truly got out coached. I think I in the think second so. half, and there, like that play, for example, is just one of the ways that he truly just got out coached. And it's a shame because Matt Leinart was so, so close to getting them into field goal range, so close. But at the end of the day, they, he didn't, and uh, Texas did win this game, forty-one thirty-eight. I mean, that, that's what happened in the end. Sixteen seconds left. They got the ball at their own 30. So, I mean, you've got 16 seconds to go 70 yards, no timeouts. In college, a little easier because if you get the first down, they got to move the chains, they stop the clock. I like that rule, by the way. I like it when they stop the clock. I think that's good. In the pros, it wouldn't work, but in college, it's fine. So, Matt Leiner puts a little screen pass on, gets to the 33-yard line. So, we're past midfield now. I mean, that got us over 20 yards. Eight seconds to go. And Matt Leiner wastes all eight seconds on this last play. I don't know what they were doing. You could do a little out route or even a screen again. Have a nice little bubble screen, even if you run three yards and go out of bounds. Just save a little time. I thought this was a rookie mistake by Matt Leinart. 
quarterback who lost his second career game and with like 30 some wins what did he even have 37 yeah 37 and two now after this game but I thought it was a rookie move at the end with eight seconds to go yeah I he he had a rough first half and he really stepped it up that second half and it's just that last drive he just oh he was so close to just solidifying his college college football legacy with a excellent he could he could have had it but yeah he didn't I mean, I wouldn't even say he had a rough first half. He had a good first five minutes, and then the rest was terrible because they showed like a split of like how he started and then how he was. I want to say he had like 100 yards at the start, and then he was like two for 10 or something. Interception. Yeah, with an interception and 15 yards or something. I mean, it really, really went down. But Vince Young, in the past two Rose Bowls now, had 447 passing yards and 392 rushing yards seven rushing touchdowns and a passing touchdown named offensive MVP and drew. He deserved every bit of that award. This dude single-handedly put Texas on his back and won the national championship. I think certainly his offensive line gets some credit, but oh, for I, I sure do too. agree. I do agree. He, that last touchdown, if you talk about an iconic touchdown in a college football playoff, that's just, that's gotta be up there. Like when you, that scramble that when he had, like you said, he had a, didn't, he just had the ball and he made a play. He made a great play. He rolled to the right, to the right side of the end zone and got, got in there. And that was, that was quite the play by Vince Young. That was all she wrote. As they say, and Vince Young gets the job done. Let's look at some other bowl games. Unless you had any other comments on the game. I know there was a few guys you wanted to shout out or did we touch on them all? We touched on them all. I just wanted to comment about how Matt Leinart used a lot of screen passes the whole game. So many. And he's did he not of... have a very good arm? Is that like where they kind of protecting him? I'm not sure. Like he finished there in the Heisman. So obviously he, he had some skill. And I mean, certainly he was talented. He, he kept the ball, but he didn't turn the ball over. So, I mean, I mean, he did once, but he did his job. And I, I think, I just think having Lendale Thunder White, was his nickname and Reggie Bush really, I think those guys really helped him elevate his game, but yeah, it's certainly a team effort for the USC. And also, did you think his stance was awkward? Like I know he was a lefty, but like his little three-step drop, it it just seemed a little weird to me what he was doing. Yeah. He seemed awkward when he was throwing the ball. I I do agree. I think just like his footwork seemed awkward too. Maybe it was the footwork and it it was such a short drop, like took three steps, but he moved like a foot back. And by the time he did his drop, Texas was there. Like, they had pressure on him all game long and ultimately led to the downfall. Matt Liner just wasn't himself. We'll talk about all their stats in a minute. Let's look at some other bowl games here. The Fiesta Bowl saw number four Ohio State beat number five Notre Dame 34-20. to The Sugar Bowl saw number 11 West Virginia upset number eight Georgia 38-35. Good game there, but I'm going to talk about a good game. Let's look at a great game, Orange Bowl. Number three, Penn State beats number 25, Florida State, 26-23 in three overtimes. Big game there in the Orange Bowl, three overtimes. And one thing I'm going to do here, Wisconsin, right? Where were they at this point? What was Wisconsin doing? They won the Capital One Bowl. Wisconsin was the 21 seed, and they beat the number seven seed, Auburn, 24-10. I thought that was a big win. Pretty impressive from wisconsin back in 05 now let's look at some award winners right the walter camp award top player goes to reggie bush 
and the Maxwell Award goes to Vince Young. AP Player of the Award goes to Reggie Bush. I mean, Drew, these guys just dominated. And then we get to Lombardi Award. AJ Hawk, the one and only, wins the Lombardi Award. And Vince Young wins the Davy O'Brien Award. Matt Leinart wins the John Unitas Award. USC and Texas dominated the awards. And then we get to the Heisman. The Heisman, we talked about it. Reggie Bush wins the Heisman. Vince Young finishes second. Matt Leinart finishes third. However, in history, the Heisman for this year is vacant. Reggie had to vacate the award because the NCAA ruled him ineligible for the season due to receiving improper benefits. So I'm not sure the entire story behind it and what happened, but that is just a terrible way to end your year. Yeah, I, I would agree, and I think that's that's really tough for Reggie Bush. I mean, I, we know, like, at the time he still kind of won it, but, like, now just getting your name wiped away from history certainly isn't going to be the legacy he wanted to leave wanted to leave for himself i mean poor guy but kind of did it to himself i guess right i mean you certainly know what you're doing so some money yeah yeah there's got to be something the whole lot of stuff that was going on there so we're gonna finish it off with some stats for the season matt liner 283 of 431 just averaged a 65.7 percent 3815 yards 28 to 8 touchdown to interception ratio so i mean he's throwing a few interceptions but out of 283 completed passes, 3,815 yards. I don't know if these are all screen passes where they just get good blocks and they're running through, or if he's throwing some bombs. But either way, pretty good numbers from Matt Leinart. And then we're talking about the running backs here. Very, very split. Reggie White, or pardon, I combined the two. Reggie Bush, 200 attempts, 1,740 yards, 16 touchdowns. Lendale White. 197 attempts, 1,302 yards, 24 touchdowns. And Reggie Bush had 37 receptions for 478 yards, two touchdowns there as well. So Lendell White finishes the year 26 touchdowns overall. Reggie Bush with 18. I mean, these two, we knew Reggie Bush is more of the flex threat, but Lendell White seems like the finisher. Oh, certainly. And that's what we saw in the championship game with Lendell White having three touchdowns, I believe. He was. He was phenomenal that game, and when they got close to the when they got in the red zone, he was just Lendale White, Lendale White, and he just powers his way through the Texas defense to get the touchdowns, and that was a great sight to see. He was more of like he's like that modern day power back. I wouldn't say like a Derrick Henry kind of power back, but he's one of those guys who is a workhorse indeed. Indeed, he is. And now for Texas, Vince Young, two twelve out of three twenty five passing, sixty five point two percent. So. He's 65.7 for Matt Leinert. So I I thought they were pretty close. And sure enough, 3,036 yards passing for Vince Young, 26 to 10 touchdown to interception ratio. So, I mean, both of them, they're still in college. So they're throwing a few interceptions. Leading rusher for Texas, any guesses? Um, Was it their running back? Was it, or was it Vince? It's got to be Vince Young. Yeah, it was Vince Young. And 155 attempts led the team, 1,050 yards. He won by about, 200 yards he led 12 touchdowns for him Ramon's Taylor had 12 rushing touchdowns Jamal Charles had 11 rushing touchdowns and Henry Melton had 10 so they have four huge running backs getting touchdowns left and right Vince Young and Ramon's Taylor with 12 Jamal Charles with 11 Henry Melton with 10 you want to talk about a balanced rushing offense Texas had it and at the end of the day they win it all 
13 and 0 on the year, win the Rose Bowl 41-38. Stats for Vince Young in here. It says he was 30 of 40 passing. I didn't think he threw that many passes. I didn't either. I thought he I thought he probably threw like 30 passes in the whole game because yeah, he was he was running, he was scrambling left and right and then they were a lot of handoffs too. It was mostly their running football team and we saw that in the championship game as well. Yeah, so he was 30 of 40, 267 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. Matt Leinart, 29 of 40, 365 yards, one touchdown, one interception. As for rushing, Vince Young, 19 carries, 200 yards, three touchdowns. We've said it all about that man and what he did for the team, putting him on his back. As for USC, Lendell White, 20 carries, 124 yards with three touchdowns. Reggie Bush, 13 carries, 82 yards and a touchdown. So that wraps things up. Our Rose Bowl 2005. I thought it was a fantastic game once it got going. It took the first half, you know, once after that first half finish and then everyone was talking it over in the locker room. These two teams just put on a show for everyone and they we got the shootout we expected in the second half. I mean, true, I thought it was a fantastic game. Oh yeah, I think that's got to be one of the best bowl games ever. That was back in it was back and forth, a bunch of lead changes, some ties in there. And it was just was an overall fantastic football game. It was a really clean game, too, I noticed. Like, there's not that many penalties at all. Yeah, no, not at all. I had that in my notes. A clean football game. It, some good commentary along with it. I recommend if you if you want to listen to what we just talked about, you should go watch. Go watch that game. Incredible stuff. And guess what we're going to watch next week, Drew? 1991 World Series from Major League Baseball. We're going back 14 more years. So we're going back 30 years from today, the 1991, we're going game seven. So, I mean, I don't know who won the World Series in 1991. Maybe I will once we get going, but it's between the Braves and the Twins, those two teams playing in 91. I really like going into these games and not knowing what happens because I think that's just adds to it. If you would have told me that Texas won this game, it wouldn't have been nearly as enjoyable because seeing Vince Young do what he did, I mean, you just look at that guy and you say, wow. And we're going back to 1991 for baseball. What do you expect there? That's going to be fun. I think that'll be a great game. I think of some names there. They got like Kirby Puckett, you know, for the Twins. There's going to be, that's going to be the early years of the Braves. So there might be some Tom Glavin, maybe some Greg Maddox. I think John Smoltz maybe was there. I don't know if he was there yet, but we're going to see. We're going to see some uh, big names and we're going to see a pitching duel. I, I bet um, that's my guess. I don't know. I can't recall what happens. I think I know who wins, but I don't want to spoil. But yeah, we'll no, that. absolutely not. We don't want that happening at all. So that wraps it up. Episode one of the summer sports spectacular. I thought it went well. We're obviously, we got 10 episodes of this. So we're going to adjust. We're going to figure out what worked, what didn't, what we want to put in, what we want to cut out, all that good stuff. But for episode one, I thought everything went very, very well. Don't forget. Listen to episode 12 if you haven't already, and then be back here next week, episode 13, Summer Sports Spectacular, episode two. Who knows when we're going to have more bonus episodes? I mean, it is a loaded summer. Like I said before, I can't wait. I think it is going to be fantastic. 91 World Series next week. Drew, wrap things up for us. All right. You can follow me on Instagram, Drew Skyberg, D-R-E-W-S-K-Y-B-E-R-G. And then also follow our Instagram, Jordan Drew underscore sports crew on instagram yes. eric hit follow that we're over 30 followers now yes so that's gonna be great 
We're growing steadily day by day, and I can't wait to see how big this thing can get. We're hoping the Summer Sports Spectacular sets us up, gets new viewers, tell your friends, tell your friends' parents. I mean, get them into it. I feel like this appeals to some of the older individuals. So if you're just sitting around one summer night on a Tuesday and you want to throw on the Rose Bowl, watch it with them, and then listen to our podcast, do it. Great little family bonding time. And I think it's going to be fantastic as we move on. So I'm Jordan Lorenz. Follow me on Twitter at Jordan Law, J-O-R-D-O-N-L-A-W underscore P-X-P. Thank you for listening to Jordan and Drew, the sports crew, the perfect podcast for you.